Hi, everyone. It's another beautiful day in the apocalypse. And welcome back to another first class flight into the underworld. A bad trip turned good. A profound spiritual awakening in the form of an average white woman's podcast called Tales of Taboo. My name is Allie Weiss. I am a downtown New York Z-list actress, writer, and professional conversationalist who is obsessed with all people, experiences, careers, and ideas that are outside the bounds of what society considers socially acceptable or accessible or quote-unquote normal. This week, we are foregoing our usual anonymous confessions format to feature another interview with one exceptional person. If you haven't already, I highly advise you to go back and listen to my one-on-one chats with high-end escort Vivian Cole and magician slash mentalist, aka mind reader, Jason Surin. The bread and butter of this show is usually exploring anonymity and what we'll all share when there are no consequences. But I'm very lucky to have a social life that brings me into contact with people who are not only brilliantly out of the ordinary, but are also willing to put a face to their story and in turn, hopefully, inspire others to do the same. So this week, we have the legendary model and reluctant influencer, Anna Heron, in the house. Anna and I met back when I was a wellness blogger. Kill me now. Um, <coughs> Literally, my body <coughs> has like a visceral reaction to me saying that. <coughs> my God. Um, Where was I? We met at an aloe event in LA. And, um, well, I can't get over that. Um, aloe's head of community at the time was a girl that I knew from college. And she ran up to us and with her signature Southern California wide eyes and like over enthusiasm went, I think you guys will really get along and then ran away. <laughs> so Anna and I kind of like gave each other the once over and then made this mutual awkward chortle. And then we ended up making small talk and ultimately decided to follow each other on Instagram. And that's where our love for each other really developed. Um, Anna, like me, is a nice Jewish girl from the East Coast with a very rebellious streak. You can see this by taking one look at her Instagram, where she has 238,000 followers. You'll pick it up right away. And it was funny because when I put up the question box in my story for you guys to submit, so many of you recognized her from Lulu's and Free People and basically like every other online retailer that you get your clothes from. One of you even submitted the question, how does it feel to be the literal face of Lulu's? And I didn't have time this time around to ask her that. But honestly, even more than the way she looks, what's really exceptional about Anna is that she's one of the most unfailingly positive and self-assured people that I've ever met. I decided to release this particular interview, which we did a couple weeks ago this week, because I just finished reading Emily Ratajkowski's book, My Body. And so many points that M. Rada made aligned with things that Anna and I discussed about the extremely controversial choice to objectify yourself for a living and the extreme dissociation experienced as a result of it. And what the fuck the words empowerment and body positivity even mean, really. These are heavy topics. They're deeply taboo topics. But Anna was able to do it with this like 
fantastic sense of humor and a no-nonsense attitude simultaneously. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, even though I've known and had sleepovers with and gotten extremely high with Anna many times, listening back to this conversation gives me the sensation of just being a spectator, observing a conversation between two women that I wish I knew who are speaking candidly about things that I think, but am too afraid to speak about because I'm afraid that no one will understand me. Um, And it just made me think about how, you know, it could be really fucking lonely for women who live their lives as, so to speak, both the quote-unquote Madonna and the quote-unquote whore in a world that insists you choose. Um, And this show has given me a reason to open up dialogues with people like Anna and Vivian Cole who do both without shame, which makes me feel less alone. And you, all of you listeners who enjoy this material, this material that otherwise I would go about just for my own enjoyment, make me feel that I am not alone. So thank you, all of you. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Tales of Taboo. So let's open with one of the weirder questions that we received, which is, okay, as a model, would you say that there is extraterrestrial life in the cosmos? And if so, what characteristics or appearance would they have? As a model. (laughs) Somebody saw that you smoked weed and was like, yeah. Okay, so we're going straight into extraterrestrials. Let's, wow, I should have like smoked a blunt before we started and waited. Okay, as a model, model. do I think, (laughs) I mean, as a model, I guess I could just say, yeah, duh, right? Um, Yeah, of course. It would be like so self-centered to think that we're alone, right? What would their characteristics be like? What would their characteristics... See, I don't like spend... I'm like more focused on what's happening inside the oceans. Like what the fuck is in the oceans? I don't know what's happening in space. Um, Like I still don't know how the radio works. I have no idea. (laughs) Anna only got a computer like six months ago. (laughs) I'm like, fuck. So now aliens. Um, I don't know. I really do feel like I lean more towards like the little green guys, but like they're gray. And like they do abduct people. Like I do kind of believe in those little like alien abduction stories yeah. that people tell where they're yeah. like, I got taken up and like I dropped did a whole off in the middle of the forest. That. People literally told me stories about like being in the middle of the ocean and they were like, I was stolen and then returned. So those I really believe. Like I don't necessarily think they're bad, but like I do strongly believe that like they could just come like grab you and then like they're these little gray figures and you're like on a table and then like they drop you off. <laughs> so I guess I do think about it a little bit more than I thought. <laughs> So she hasn't imagined the characteristics and the appearance, but the sensation of being stolen by yeah. an alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must think about it a lot. I think about it a lot. I mean, Anna does rip bongs still, and I actually made a comment about this the other day. I was <laughs> like, you, I think, are the only person, definitely the only woman I know who rips a bong regularly. The bongs are coming like way too regularly. Like, but like, actually- you actually had a good explanation as to why you like your bong. Well, because I went through about a 10-year blunt phase and it was getting ridiculous like I was smoking like three blunts a day and that's disgusting <laughs> like picturing my insides and was, was like, not fucking a big disgusting. Person. 
and it's like gross like i'm like smoking blunts like who do i think i am Kid, how did you get into that like i was not planning on kicking this conversation off with weed talk but like now that we are <laughs> here we are here we are so like where where did your like stoner girl origin come from i've actually never asked you this question yeah. like your weed trajectory it really so i grew up in philadelphia and that was just like what we did like i started smoking probably when i was like 13 or yeah. something and we would just like go to germantown and pick up weed from like the same guy that was like dealing fighting pit bulls and like you would just like hope he gave you weed because if he went in and took your money and not came out like you'd be like all right well cool we're not getting weed today and then like you would just drive home so that happened and I just like always smoked through high school and just like always loved it and then I became an adult who was making money and I was like I can buy a lot more weed can get a delivery every single yeah, fucking like, week I can smoke so much weed if I want and then the first modeling job I got I actually bought my first bong the first thing i did was like i was like i bought a pink illadelph i was like i have made it in life i can buy a 300 (laughs) dollars bong like i'm a fucking adult and then i got out of the bongs back into the blunts and then i felt like my lungs were gonna just like collapse one day and then i was at a guy's house drinking and he's like i'm gonna go get my bong and i was like you have a bong and it had been since like the high school parking lot that i had hit a bong and he's like, does anybody else want to hit it? And I was the only one. I was like, honestly, I really want to fucking hit your yes. bong. And like, I don't care about how socially weird I'm about to get. No, I get incapacitated when I rip bongs. That's why every time you offer me the bong, I'm like, I can't take that. Like, you will not recognize the person I've become. I don't think that's true. Everybody has that in their head because they remember that like one time that they had had like 15 beers at a dude's house and then took a bong rip and then like and got blacked out and dizzy. Hole. Exactly. It's not the same because it's not like you're going to get the spins. Like, we're not sitting here sh- taking shots of like <laughs> yeah. Vladimir vodka and then I'm going to have you take a bong rip <laughs> it's like it's so true you know what i mean it's, it's a whole so different experience true. i guess i also just like i think about the places in which i've ripped bongs and they're all unsavory totally. there's not a single location i can remember that was like anything less than absolutely fucking it's like crepid. a damp frat house yes. is where you always hit a yes, boss yeah all the time and then you're surrounded by like a bunch of guys like some of whom you want to sleep with some of whom you feel weird around and now you're just like i'm crawling out and you like skin. can't cough because if you cough it's like the most yeah. Embarrassing yeah, thing in the like, world. Oh, it's like, like weak girl. Exactly. Can't, like, handle her weed. No, here I'm like fucking cough because you just ripped a You're bong. Like, Single handedly going to bring the bong back. I've already like I honestly I've brought so many bongs back to my friend You're and it's like, like the charity I'm influencer. doing around. I really like actually I could only hope to be a bong influencer. <laughs> bong influencer like, <laughs> After retire. 12 years of modeling, all I want to do is have a promo code for a fucking bong. You're like Anna 10. <laughs> Anna, Anna 10. Anna 10. For a roar. For a bong. <laughs> um genius so have you ever known like have you the entire time that you've been smoking weed has there ever been a period of it where you've been like this is not sustainable i cannot do this anymore or has there ever been a time where you're like this is fucking up my life because i think when i was in high school i smoked a lot like for fun socially like my high school boyfriend was really into weed and then when i was in college that i came out to california and like everybody just smoked weed all the time but there was a period of time during that where i was like this is actually making me like a crusty loser i was like this is really i mean like, i'm a crusty up. loser no, but you're you're highly <laughs> like that's what we're forgetting successful. it's like no no i'm definitely a crusty I mean, loser you do wear bathrobes as clothes that is a little <laughs> crusty she's literally wearing a bathrobe over a t-shirt that has armpit holes right now <laughs> 
But, we kind of just hit the nail on the head there. Like, I'm just a crusty loser. You're hot and you're successful and you work. Like, I feel like for me, it was keeping me just like on my couch, like eating drive through Mexican food like during daylight hours. Totally. So I've been waiting for my moment where I'm going to like have my panic attack and stop smoking weed like yeah. all my other friends forever. Yeah. Like I would love nothing more in the world than to just have my moment of panic where I'm like, nope, can't smoke <laughs> can't weed anymore. Like I'm a protective member of society now and like don't smoke. Anna, like weird that you're smoking a joint at 10 a.m. Yeah. It hasn't happened. So I'm just kind of accepting that maybe I am just like like this, yeah. which is fine. Um. I was telling you earlier, I was like, if I don't smoke weed, I people ask me sometimes, they're like, are you on Adderall? Are you like, did you do uppers? And it's just like, I'm a very awakey, blabbity person. Or is it just like, yeah, enthusiasm? I think both yeah. anxiety, then like a ton of coffee, enthusiasm. Yeah. I do get really excited about everything. Yeah, you do, which I love. I, think I love it's a super positive. Yeah. Quality. My friend is like, you're like hanging out with a third grade teacher all the time. <laughs> like, no way. That's fucking amazing that you did that. She's like, I literally crossed the street. I'm like, yeah, you're but crossing the street like is hard. Miss Frizzle. Like, you are driving <laughs> the magic school bus. <laughs> I'm just like genuinely excited about everything. So I think weed helps me tone it down. Um, I would love theoretically to stop smoking weed because it makes me eat so much it makes me pretty lazy once I like smoke in the morning it's not like I'm sitting and like really responding to emails all of a sudden if my agency calls I'm like the phone's ringing what do I do with the phone and I just like stare at the phone in panic and then like put it down I think what's helped well maybe helped but also fucked up is with my job I'm either 100% on or I'm 100% off yeah I wanted to ask about that so that really is almost in a way like conducive to smoking weed because I don't smoke weed before I work. No way. I'm yeah. 100% on. I'm having like 10 coffees and I'm like a fucking frantic fairy. 65 outfits. Let's fucking go. Exactly. And then when I'm off though, like I am the crustiest like stoner sloth you've ever met that like you d- people don't recognize. My mom's always like, <laughs> wow, Anna, you do such a good job in your off time. Like no one would ever guess you're a model. And I'm like, thank you so much, mom. I really appreciate that. She's like, you just hide it so well, That's babe. Amazing. But you said something that I thought was really interesting the other day. You basically said something along the lines of like, I don't want people to like look at me when I'm not working. You were like, I, when I go out in like a crop top or when I go out in like a revealing outfit, I forget that it like makes you basically like available to like anybody who wants to comment on your appearance and like there must be like whether it's conscious or not like there must be a correlation between you being so exposed like like physically but also just in terms of like who you are and your personality for work that in your off time like it makes complete sense that you would want to be like get no like don't look at me totally well what's that saying what were you gonna say no i was just gonna say like do you actively see a correlation between those two things. I mean, a hundred percent. What's that saying where it's like, if you're ever having a bad day or if you ever going through like a breakup, put on like a crop top and walk past a construction site. Yeah. That is literally my worst nightmare. Like, I think for me, it's like, I don't, just want attention. I want the right attention. Like yeah, I want attention from like a guy I'm interested in. Exactly. I do not just want random attention while walking around the grocery store. Yeah. So I think also it's like, this is the fucked up part, but, my work has in some way like you would be mentally insane to not be like all right i'm validated in some way as being an attractive person yeah like somehow people are paying me yeah so even if i don't feel that you sound crazy to not acknowledge that so like i'm kind of good i don't need like the guy at the grocery store to tell me i'm hot like i bought a house because i'm hot like i'm fine when the emphasis 
has kind of been on how you look as like a central point for so long. How has that shaped you? Like how has that shaped your relationships with men like that you date but also how has that shaped your relationship with yourself because like one of the things I love so much about you is that despite being like an objectively very attractive person the emphasis like isn't on that in your personal life like you do a very good job of of having your like honesty and being funny and like your warmth and like as you say your excitement about life those are your best qualities not the way that you look but how have you managed to kind of draw that line between like your work life and your personal life I think it was like the way I I never in a million years thought I would model let alone that that was even a job yeah like it just would not (laughs) cross my mind at all so I think like models don't come out of Philly that's not like a thing no and it's not even like a disgust I truly did not know it was like (laughs) I knew Giselle was a model but like besides that I just didn't know that like like Victoria's Secret or bust exactly I just thought there were seven models in the world and they did everything and then like they went on to the next seven models of the world yeah um so that just like never crossed my mind I never like thought of myself as an attractive person really not that I thought it was gross but just like it wasn't kind of part of my life no one like you're not just hot in philly and people like treat you differently yeah because like, you're was hot another in philly thing and they still spit had... at you <laughs> <laughs> like no one cares <laughs> wait so were you i mean was there a lot of emphasis like placed on your appearance when you were younger i'm sorry i know i'm asking you a million questions but somebody had actually written in and was like i want her to comment on the whole emrata thing i think emrata's whole narrative is like i was always hypersexualized. the emphasis was always on my appearance and so for me like the only way that i could kind of cope with that was to lean in and to monetize my own appearance to kind of get ahead of it is there any part of you that did feel that way um, I mean, I definitely, I've looked the same since I was like 13, basically. Yeah, so same. I've definitely had just like weird comments from older guys that would come that way, but yeah. more just, I got to, but to me, it made me like kind of hate society more. Like I would see married men with like their children that would kind of like check me out. And I knew that was really weird because I was like raised in a healthy yeah. home. Like I'd be like, yeah. dads shouldn't be checking me out. That's fucking gross. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was always just like a really darker place never something I wanted to lean into like I was just like ew I don't like that whole concept yeah um so I'm trying to th- like it never crossed my mind of like using like I don't know no that was never a thing because it it wasn't like a form of currency the way I grew yeah, up it's not yeah, like yeah, being yeah. hot got me anywhere it was like yeah I had to do well in school and be nice to people That's yeah like what the currency was and I think that all, again like so much of that has to do with growing up in Philly you know or like growing up in a place that's normal and totally. like I think that my kind of downfall was I also have looked exactly the same since I was like literally 12 like you look mm-hmm. at my childhood photos and you're like what the fuck and it's like the butt and the boobs and I talk about this a lot on the show but my problem is I grew up in such an abnormal way in the middle of New York City where like being hot is a currency outside of your home totally. outside of your school I was like clubbing when I was 15 I was using it as a way to like get in with promoters like I saw that the stuff that made me so insecure in my day-to-day life became a huge asset for like anything social and so I think that kind of all of the attention would have fucked me up regardless but I think I was led down a path of placing too much emphasis on that and especially too much emphasis on kind of 
sexualizing myself rather than focusing on like, oh, I'm beautiful or whatever. It was literally like, how can I be sexy to get ahead? Because that's also kind of like the vibe in New York. And I'm so envious of people who grew up in like normal neighborhoods because you had the choice to be like, nah, that's like not for me. I've always approached modeling. I, I did it at the very beginning just to make money to visit a guy that I was dating in Australia. And so anytime I was put in a room with these girls, I was like, you've got to be fucking joking me that somebody thought I could enter this room with these like imported Brazilian goddesses that were just the most absurdly gorgeous people I'd ever seen in my life. And then I remember like I started booking a couple jobs and I was like, wait, I'm sorry. What the fuck? You mean like Instead of Giselle's identical twin little sister, you want Anna Krusty Krab from Philly to come in and shoot this commercial? Like, okay. Who, by the way, is also a nice Jewish girl. Like, that's my favorite thing. I remember when we first met, I was like, oh, yeah, like, what's your ethnicity? And you laughed in my face and you were like, I'm Jewish. And I was like, what? I was really so shocked, though. But it's true. Like, nothing, nothing about you screams Jew. Not a single can I tell you the amount of times I got to set in Miami and I would talk for the first time and they'd be go oh my god she's not Brazilian holy shit oh no oh no I thought that you were oh I'm sorry yeah no my name is Anna with two n's I'm not the (laughs) ethnic kind I'm not cool (laughs) I'm the one from Philadelphia (laughs) you booked the wrong Anna (laughs) so we obviously talk about this a lot when we're just like hanging out on the couch but people also submitted questions asking you what you think you're going to do when you leave modeling. And I think that's a very stressful question to ask anybody about like, what do you want to do with your life? But as you said, like you've had a pretty easy road of like 12 years of success. And that obviously makes it less um, attractive to spend your off time, like doing deep soul searching work about like how am I going to make like an imprint? Like, you don't have to think about that when you're being like financially successful. But how, do you ever think about like, okay, when I don't look 24, how am I going to occupy my time? It's not even a matter of like, how are you going to make a difference in the world? It's like, how are you going to feel good every morning? Totally. Well, modeling is a really funny one with that because you could be at the very top of your career making ten thousand dollars a day for showing up you're 23 years old to anybody else in any other industry you'd be crushing it everyone will still ask you so what are you gonna be doing next and it's like i don't fucking know i'm making a million dollars off myself right now so i'm not really thinking about it slash i'm working every single day you were on a plane like three times a week at one point right like it's it's insane but it's this funny thing that i've noticed literally 22 so what are you gonna be doing next and it's like (laughs) now I just like graduated college and I have a career like what are you gonna be doing exactly random dude that works or what are you gonna be doing tomorrow like do you know what I mean like are you thinking about what you're gonna be doing next so that being said yes there is always in this modeling world like what am I gonna do next what am I doing next because everyone's asking you for the last 10 years it's hard though because I've always wanted to think about what I'm doing next but also so fucking physically drained exhausted never had a chance to see my friends I'm always traveling so on the days that I do have off I would want to like be present and be doing things not thinking about what's next so um that being said it's always been in like the back of my head anytime I have like a couple days that I haven't worked for a bit it's like well I guess that was my last job so what's my new life gonna be no seriously I leave every set and I'm like well goodbye forever everyone even Lulu's I've worked there for 10 years and I'm like everybody everyone for having me it's been a really great career it's been a great run like I wish you all the best of life like luck because even like 
it's your work family but yeah. if they don't rebook you you're never gonna see these people it again was, it's just like, so funny to hear you say that because overwhelmingly like the most popular submission i got to the question box wasn't even a question it was everyone being like oh my god that's the actual face of lulu's <laughs> somebody was like 99 percent of the clothes in my closet were purchased off her body and like it's but it's just hilarious because it doesn't matter like how much success we're having in in whatever career we choose and whether we're monetizing the way that we look or we're monetizing our brain like monetary success is irrelevant like it doesn't make you actually feel good about yourself which i think is so interesting like it's it's afforded you a lot of comfort it's afforded me a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like we still wake up with the same insecurities that like somebody at like a, a dead end corporate job that's making no money would have being like what am i doing here and i think it's actually intensified when you're in an industry that basically tells you that you have an expiration date and it can stop literally anytime at any point any single day so there's like i've just kind of decided to say like hands off the wheel fuck it because if you actually think about that you're gonna have a constant panic attack and there's so many girls i know that they go to a casting and it's all they think about for the next week did i book it did i not book it did i not like how are they gonna ever think about anything else yeah um that being said da, 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 yes I've thought a ton about what I want to do after modeling I always thought I would have kids at like 24 years old so honestly never even got past there and I'm at this very interesting point in my life where I'm like oh my god I'm 30 years old I'm obviously not having kids tomorrow so I feel like I honestly just have this whole new like decade of life that I really yeah. never thought of I didn't consider it I 100% thought that I'd model be relatively successful I had like a braces fund for my kids from like my second job ever after my bong and um, <laughs> bong, then kids, bong, braces. kids braces, very responsible. That is a fucking kick ass modern mom. I'm <laughs> sorry. That's parenting goals. That really so is. I'm kind of now realizing that while I would love to think that I could just be a stay at home mom that could stare deeply in my baby's eyes hours on end, which I know I will love to do for the first few months. I have accepted that. I need to be doing something. I've never not worked since I was, I mean, I had my first job at 16 and since 18, I've literally been, I mean, I did college back and forth flights from Germany the whole time. Like I'm a fucking working girl as much as I would be like, I'm a lazy piece of shit. Like I am on my shit. I do not have a second of downtime. It is not chill. Most people don't realize like what a huge subsector of the industry e-com is. Like when most people think about modeling, like what do we think of? We think of women who are doing fashion week. We think of like editorials or we think of like Playboy, SI, like whatever. But a lot of where the money is, is in e-com. And there are girls like Anna, women, excuse me, who work (laughs) literally every fucking day, like making an absolute killing. So like, can you just give people who aren't familiar with that like a brief overview of like what exactly e-com is and what your job entails when you do e-com totally so there's like which i was so confused when i came into the model industry too because i fully thought that like i was like oh my god i'm a model now like i'm gonna show up they're gonna spend 18 hours doing hair and makeup on me and then they're gonna get one picture of me where they tell me exactly how to stare at the camera and where to put my hands they're gonna be like all right hand on hip one two three cheese and then i got to go home (laughs) fully i was like oh my god i'm a model now like that's what that is holy fuck no it's not oh my god my very first job they like do my hair and makeup they put me out by a tree and they're just like all right go and i'm like what the fuck you mean go like i just was supposed to like model and start like doing making shape and this was before like you didn't get to see people modeling on instagram it wasn't like you could go watch a youtube video i'm like we were on askjeeves.com basically <laughs> i'd like ask jeeves <laughs> like how to I model, model? <laughs> 
So <laughs> that was terrible. But basically, all of the things that you would think pay the most, like runway, shooting for Vogue, da da da, that actually Trump pays change. you nothing. So the whole point is you want to get into these magazines, have these great test shoots, be able to say that you walked the show for these things to be able to book what usually ends up being the more commercial jobs that end up paying you the most money. So for example, like it would seem confusing, but Victoria's Secret is e-com. What they're shooting is catalog work. They're showing you front side back of a set of lingerie. So that's like the highest end of e-com. You know what I mean? It's like the brands you know, but everybody's doing e-com. So anytime you're shopping on a site and you see a girl in the outfit and you get to see like every angle of that, she's literally tried on every single outfit and has taken like 50 front shots, 50 side shots, 50 back shots. There's the person at the monitor that's like in that moment selecting the pictures. There's like the stylist that's popping on and like clipping back the extra shit. Somebody's yelling there, but like, oh, there's a wrinkle in like the left side of the pant, like pop your crotch out to hide that. So it's much more like just really making the clothes look good. But you're also you want to shoot as many outfits as you possibly can. So what e-com really becomes is it's like choreography of knowing all of the best poses. Like if somebody gives me a pair of jeans now, like I know the 15 best poses that will shoot jeans, make your ass look good, not have a wrinkle in the front crotch, like make the knee look good, make the flare look good, show the spacing between that, like put a hand in pocket. Like I just have, and that's just for jeans and you only get this by doing it year after year. Like if you give me a maxi dress with a slit, I know 30 poses that will show this maxi dress with a slit. I know how to throw it. I know how to fake laugh to the side. I like, you know how to pretend that like there's a guy I love off in the right corner that'll give the smile that they're looking for. Like it is. And you just learn it from doing just from doing it. Oh, so we were talking about this earlier, but I was saying that when I was getting into making clothing, I was like, I honestly feel like the reason I feel qualified to do this is because I feel like out of the entire world, I might've tried on the most clothes in the entire world, which sounds crazy. But e-com only started when I started modeling. Yeah. I've been modeling now for 12 years. Yeah. I've always done e-com like out of any because I've done this for money. I'm not doing it for the glamour. I don't care. People are like, who's yeah. your dream client? I'm like, what are they paying? Yeah, exactly. Like, are they I'll buying me a country house? Elbow. Yeah. <laughs> don't care. I don't need to shoot for this brand. I'm like, oh, cool. I get to have a billboard. Don't care. Yeah. That's what people do, too. It's like, oh, well, we don't actually have a budget, but you're going to have like a billboard on sunset, which theoretically it's like. I do think that in the past I could have balanced that a little bit better. Like I said no to any form of like publicity stuff because I was like, no, if they're not paying, I'm not going. Yeah. Um, And I do think that like looking back, that's like what I would be more open to like doing both ends of that because you really like you're able to bump your rate because you walked for Dolce and Gabbana. That's so interesting. You're able to bump your rate doing e-com from how much like, legit editorial stuff you did that I did not know that so I felt pretty good with my rate and I was just like you know I don't feel like having to go through the pressure of like flying myself to New York meeting with all of the top like these girls are really paying for themselves like most of them you know the 99% leave in debt they've paid for a model apartment they met with the clients they didn't like them and now they've left and they owe their agencies money so much money and I'm just like I'm from a business background that's bad business yeah <laughs> like, it is. that it's just terrible. doesn't for people that want to be a star i can understand that like you know what fuck it i'll sell everything for this opportunity but it's about finding that balance and it's like i've been lucky as a model to be booked 
almost every single day. But then because of that, I'm not able to go to the casting for the maybe $100,000 commercial. Mm -hmm. But I'm guaranteed to be making my day rate that day. So it's a very, that part's interesting. When you're a working model, you're almost going back and forth with like, well, I would risk this five grand today, but it would be because I was able to make theoretically 25,000 in a day. Interesting. But it's that hard. Like, do you cancel? Then you have to actually go into it with the confidence of like, I'm going to book this over every oh hot girl God. in LA, right. which in my mind is exactly I'm like, like yeah, me. no, no, no. She should book. I can offer that my top of my head. Think of eight girls I met yesterday that should book this before me. I'm going to go shoot my e-com job. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Put the Lulu's dress on me. Exactly. When you first started out and you were kind of like building your credentials, what were some of the best jobs that you had? Or what were some of your big moments where you were like, fuck yeah, this is actually like a pat on the back for me. Oh my God. The pat on the backs are like so much harder to remember than just like the silliest fucking well let's talk about both of them i actually want to hear about both sides and tell us about like the embarrassing stuff where you look back and you're like what the actual fuck was i doing one of my like just like craziest like i'm so out of my element modeling moments was like so they have you do test shoots when you first start modeling and you can either do free test shoots where it's like could be a random kid that picked up a camera five minutes ago and like it might get your labia in one shot or something like you know what I mean it's just like it's either going to be really great or really terrible and you have no idea so you're ending up wasting so much time like some makeup artist wants to try a lime green lightning bolt and you happen to be the fucking model that day and now you're never going to use this yeah so I've had a million of those and then I remember there was one time my agency and they'll like convince you to spend your own money because it's no sweat off their back. It just gives them potentially more opportunity to make money off yeah. of you. So it's a great, it's a great industry for agents. Um, but they convinced me to do this paid test shoot in New York with like a big photographer. And, you know, I was going to have like styling. I got four images retouched. That's like how they do it basically. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Okay. I'll invest in my career. And I like get there and it's in some weird New York apartment part of modeling that you don't realize is you are at all times you're given an address you're bopping around and like Ubers trains subways and then you have to get there and make it seem like you were just glamorously dropped off by your driver yeah. but you actually just like drowned in a sewer it's and like deeply sweaty so gross and um Ugh, I'm like picturing all the times I would get there and I'm like how are you not sweating I honestly every time I get to a casting I just want to ask a girl like how are you not sweating? Well, they probably left like an hour and a half to get there so that yeah, they wouldn't right. be. But that's like someone that who doesn't true. have anything else to do. That's what I've, yeah, people have nothing to do besides. Exactly. I day. would. That's what really shocked me. It was 2018 and I lived out here for what, three months, four months. And um, I was friends with a couple of models at the time. This was before you and I met. And I remember being so shocked that like I would ask them, oh, so like, what are you doing today? What's on your agenda? And they'd be like, I have a casting like one casting. And I think part of that is that obviously LA is very spread out. So like you have to drive and there's traffic and the whole thing. But I was like, your whole day is one casting. So like what you wake up, you work out, you get dressed, you do your hair, you leave like an hour to get there. You do your casting, which takes for the record, what, 45 seconds? Like the quickest possible thing. And then you leave and then that's it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, well, A, that's a huge difference between New York and LA. But like B that's most people whose like life revolves around castings don't do anything else yeah i guess that's true yeah you're a gal on the go so you sweat yeah that's what you get fuck 
gross. Botox, sponsor her. I know. Oh my God. I, we were talking this morning. I want to get Botox under my armpits because I can't stop. So I'm just like the wettest, clammiest person. I've been doing pole dancing and my hands are so clammy that I can't actually <laughs> climb the pole. The I just pole. slide down. So I'm really good at the floor work, but I physically can't get onto the pole. And we've all been like discussing like, should I get Botox in my hands? Do I need to use chalk? Like, do I need to wear gloves to pole? Like, that's been She's a, clammy a pole issue. vaulter and a pole that dancer. <laughs> that's what we're preparing for. Um, okay, but wait, so this this first test shoot, he puts me in this lingerie and like a cloak or something and high heels and there's a wind fan blowing at me. Mind you, like, I don't know any. I'm like, what the fuck is, is happening? happening? Why is there a fan? Like, I don't even know why there's a fan. I'm like, it's actually I'm freezing and I'm in my lingerie. I'm good. Yeah. If we could put the heat on. So the fan's like blowing my hair and then he just starts saying jump. I'm like, what jump. do you mean jump? So, you know, like all the pictures. Wait, I have the picture. Wait, oh, no, it moved. So, like, you know, when, like, a girl is, like, in the air modeling and, it, like, her hair is, like, moving and, like, she's doing, like, a pose and stuff. They jump. I thought that that was just, like, Photoshop. No, bitch. You are jumping. jumping. And just trying to, like, you just have to jump, relax your face, stare at the camera, do something cool with your hands, and not look like you're jumping. And you're in high heels. And then land on your heels without breaking your And do ankle. it like 10 times. Like he's just shooting as if you're shooting. So it's just like shot, shot, shot. So you're just jumping, jumping, jumping. This is a very common part of my life. Oh my God, you didn't know about the jumping. My jaw is literally on the when floor. When I'm guys. shooting fitness stuff, I just have to like jump and lift knees and like hope something happens in the air where I don't look like I'm... I always thought that that was like the magic of the camera. Like you were lying on the floor oh. or like you were like up against a... It's no, the worst moment of every job is when they're like, all right, so now you can just start jumping. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. This feels totally natural and normal in my how, fucking underwear. How do you keep a straight face? Yeah, your ass cheeks like in the wind. That's like, just, well, then you're the model. And it's like your job is to like, this is normal. And I keep a straight face. Oh, yes, of course, I've done this before. I'm very professional. Of course, I've jumped in my lingerie at a random dude's apartment in New yeah, York In front City, of a bunch of strangers. In front of a bunch of strangers. And every like hair and makeup person, like they've been on set a hundred times. No one else is acting like this is weird. Yeah. So then I guess if no one else is being like, this so, is a freak show, then you're like, no, whatever. you just have to jump and act totally cool. And then like, yeah, if you could just like relax your hands and you're like, that's the worst being asked oh to relax God. your hands i don't know how to relax my hands and like have also just like the sh- things that you wouldn't think about the shape of your hand is also so important it's the in most photos important. It's and crazy. it's like the rest of you can look amazing your face can look relaxed the body but you have the claw claws, the claw the creepy claws mm-hmm. and then like relax your hands and once you start thinking about relaxing your hands you're not relaxed no, and then you make hands. these creepy cup shapes i oh, just had to watch a lot of girls model for that like i got really lucky at the beginning like all of these main play like revolve planet blue like they to have like multiple girls so I would get to alternate mm. and I would literally stand there and be like look what they're doing you went to school and then I would just get up and have to go afterwards and just literally try and like copy what they That's did so interesting like, but honestly that for me was I was like wow this is my schooling it coming is, to work because other girls would just get up there and stand there and I'm like you had an hour to watch what she was right. doing and you've and now you don't know what you're do. doing like it's like Use your fucking brain for a yeah. second. So I, that's like, I think the only other reason I've had a career this long is like other girls just like actually don't care. Whereas I don't care what my dream client is. Like they just don't like, they don't know how, actually they do care. They don't know how to care. Okay, my angels, for anyone who's been following or listening to me for a while, you'll know that my clonopin usage from ADHD and anxiety has become kind of a running joke. Hilariously, a lot of you have begged me to try CBD as a healthier replacement, which has distinct overprotective Jewish mom energy, and I'm here for it. The thing is, I have tried so many products over the past few years, and none of them were strong enough for me, which made me feel really discouraged and also mm, insane. But I 
recently tried Feels, spelled F-E-A-L-S, and I swear to God, this is the only brand that actually works well enough to reduce my anxiety and my pill usage. The packaging is also super glamorous because we all know that matters, and they have a customer service team willing to answer literally any question you have about CBD as it relates to your health. I swore I would never promote CBD on this show, but I know a lot of you are also struggling with your mental health, and I want to help. So if you become a Feels member, I hooked it up for you to get 50% off your first order. Not 10%, not 20%, but 50% off your first order. Go to feels.com slash Allie W to become a member. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash Allie W and get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Trust me. And you're welcome. It also goes back to the conversation that we're having like about shame. And it's very interesting to hear you talk about this and realize like, oh, you were just thrust into so many situations where like, in the real world, they're absurd, but you're surrounded by a bunch of people who aren't blinking twice. And so you come to not get weirded out by stuff like that. And I actually wanted to ask you about posing nude. Like a lot of people were very, very curious to hear you speak about obviously like finding the confidence to pose nude and how you landed these jobs and so on and so forth. But, and I want to hear you talk about this, but I'm also starting to think in my own head, like, Oh, if you've been on so many sets where like you're walking around in nipple pasties and like a beige thong and you're jumping and there's a wind fan and like no one is blinking, you just start to lose sight of like nothing is weird. Nothing's weird. Literally nothing is weird for me. Which I sometimes have to remember. I'm like, now I've gotten so on the other end. I'm that person that like you could have me doing handstands naked upside down. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like this is what we do. And then I have to remember like, oh, my God, no, this isn't normal. So I've actually had girls that have brought stuff up to me that I thought were super interesting where they're like, it's really cool for you that you're down to be changing anywhere. But it actually could make a younger girl feel uncomfortable that maybe doesn't feel as, un- as comfortable changing in front of like a Digitech or something, which yeah. was such an interesting perspective. I've just been doing it so long. I'm so detached from it. I really, when I'm at work, my body is literally a mannequin. Yeah. I'm like pull, poke, stretch, like whatever the fuck you need to do. Um, I'd like fully dissociate. But hearing another girl say that, she was like, you didn't realize, but like the guy was checking out your ass and like that's not normal and whereas you don't blink an eye about it for another new girl in that like they would have to think that that's like normal and okay and it could actually really fuck with somebody and I was like wow I I'm so comfortable with it but I forgot that like my actions on set could like affect another person that's so humbling to hear Anna because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about coming and staying with you in LA is like I'm somebody who walks around naked I'm very body confident like how much I like work out varies how much I need to be on camera varies whatever but I love that I can come here and like you're naked and I'm like okay I'm gonna be naked too and it's like it's also just a freak show in here like neither of us cares and so it's a lot of just like being whatever you want to be but like there are a lot of people who don't have that body confidence and where like if they were in here hanging out with us and saw the two of us walking around naked like tits out looking in the mirror like the whole thing they might be like oh my god this makes me feel either really bad about myself or like uncomfortable, uncomfortable which I had never, I I was never like, think oh my about God, that I'm making somebody oh. right isn't that so when people say like how do you get the confidence to shoot naked or like I've like posted pictures with like a stretch mark and somebody's like 
oh my god you're so brave and i'm like oh my god how shitty do i look i didn't yeah, even, like what? think that was like, brave i was like i was just posting my ass <laughs> on the internet suggesting? like i didn't even i was like shit was that brave should i like take this down it was yeah like, <laughs> um but it, so it's almost this like you're like oh my god how do you get the confidence to shoot naked i'm like i just i'm just naked so it's not that but i'm more just like whoa i never thought about the other perspective of the people that don't and i'm just fucking running around with my nipple and i do notice now when girls are shooting with me I will, I try to meet their level of comfortability. Right. Because I don't want me being fully naked on a set to ever make another girl feel like they have to be fully naked on a set. Which, again, my friend that brought this up to me was just such a great enlightening, like, oh my God, you're so right. I I never thought about that. Like, what? obviously, very privileged standpoint. But, like, it's not even because I think that, like, I'm particularly attractive. I just, again, I don't care. I just don't care. I've been in so many weird situations. And, like, granted, most of mine have been, like, out in the world and, like, the people that I engage with and the shit that people tell me. But, like, I guess that just kind of translates into how I, f- I view my body because I'm like, it's it's just body. Exactly. Like, I just feel like a sack of bones. Right. I'm literally just like, this is the vessel that holds my organs in. I right. don't really care. And I'm like, oh, I guess if I tilt exactly. my ass this way, people think it's hot. But and like, I think that so much of that is also like, it's as you said so well, it's dissociation that comes from being in entertainment in any capacity. There is nothing, at least in my opinion, more dehumanizing than going to an audition or going to a casting. The worst. The most artificial. Think about this, guys. It's a bunch of strangers sitting in like a fluorescent lit room. And whether you're going in there to be judged on your appearance or you're going in there to be judged on like your performative ability, you as a stranger are walking into a room. It's your job to make it feel like it's not the most awkward thing in the world. They want to see how natural you can be under like spotlights when they're scrutinizing every part of you. And they're allowed to. Right. Like by coming into this casting, you are opening and saying, you are allowed to scrutinize me in any single way that you want. And I'm agreeing to Completely consenting, already objectifying yourself. Mm -hmm. And then if they decide that you fit the standards of whatever they're looking for, for that job, you then have to show up to set and do that in front of like 50 people. And fundamentally, it's not that different to, you know, be in nipple pasties and a thong or be reading off a teleprompter in front of a bunch of strangers, trying not to flub it and making it seem like it's a normal conversation. And people feel comfortable to tell you anything. You'd be like, well, you know, John really had to push for you to be here because Kathy really didn't want to book you. And you're like, well, awesome. I'm going to go out there and just ooze confidence because that's my job knowing that Kathy hates the way I fucking look. Exactly. It's just like great. Like these things about you that you can't control end up being the things that make you money, but also subject you to like so much criticism. And I think that when you look, we're obviously sick for wanting to have this career in the first place. Like, that's a whole different conversation but i also just think that it's so it's interesting that like the way to survive it is to figure out how to dissociate and be able to laugh at it and be, be like, able to laugh at it otherwise it's like it's either pure mental health right or you have to laugh right. at it or else you'll be the most depressed and that's anxious. the biggest difference between the people that you see in entertainment who are really depressed who don't have high self-esteem mm-hmm. who hate themselves who are constantly looking for validation and for the girls who do it but are like i realize how absurd this is i realize how not like real life this is i think that the biggest difference is like a having a sense of humor and b mm-hmm. having the ability to dissociate and be like i'm i don't live in my body right now yeah we're just kind of floating 
I had a weird, it had been a long time since I had been to a casting, like get, put COVID together. And then it's like, it takes a lot for me to go to a casting because I really would rather shoot like 10 days of work yeah. than go to a casting. Yes. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. but I went to this casting and it was for jeans and it was like no big deal. But the guy, the, the client was a guy and I'm in there and then he's just allowed to say, and again, this is like, I had this moment of like, this is my job and this is totally normal and okay because I am the object. But it was also this moment of like, I really don't want to be doing this anymore yeah. because I just don't like the way it feels anymore. Like it's not, it's lost its fun and luster for me, but he was able to just be like, all right, so like, can you just turn around so I can look at your butt for a little bit? And like, of course I'm here for a gene casting. He needs to see how my butt looks like this is, and I work out my butt so that I can look good in jeans, which is my job. And then it was this moment where I was like, I just have to like smile and be like, here's my butt to this random Crazy. fucking dude that in a million years, like if he came up to me at a bar and was like, let me see your butt, I would like bite him or something. Yeah. Of and course. then I'm in this casting and she'd be like, no, oh my God, you want to see my butt? And mind you, in front of his like other female assistants and they're kind of like looking like, mm, and I would just be like, huh, yeah, look at my butt. And then I have to turn oh, around and he'd be like, so fuck. He, he fucking commented on my friends. He was like, oh my God, I shoot with your other friends all the time. They also have such great butts. They're really skinny with nice butts which again in model world would be a comp like nothing of what he was saying was particularly creepy disrespectful he wasn't touching me like he was genuinely complimenting my product which should have felt nice and instead I was just like I'm in this and part of my job like my the ultimate success of my job would be then booking this job and then getting to work with him which I actually did and it was a fine day and it was great and I was like the fact that this is like the epitome of success is me going into this room, having this guy talk about my butt and then booking it. And then we talk about my butt for the rest of the day. And that's the best part of it is like, oh yeah, now I want a new job now actually. Oh, this like makes me think about this casting that I went to the other day. And oh my God, I like haven't even spoken this out loud, but it was for like a very popular bra company that's in like every department store. And they were doing this campaign where they were looking for, it was all like actual commercial models in there, but they were looking for women with like different boob types. So like round or like fuller on the bottom and like, you know, not so full on the top. Like I, I forget like what the names were for all the different shapes, but they had names. Right. And I asked my agent before I went there, I was like, so am I going to have to be topless in front of anybody? And she's like, no, there's like a closed off changing screen. They're going to give you bras and then they're going to want to see how you look in the bras and then they're going to photograph you that way. And I was like, okay, like that's fine. I get there there is a screen that you change behind, but there's so many people in the room. There's multiple models in there at once. And when I got behind the screen, it was two women, but they go, can you take your bra off so we can look at your boobs? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, and like, you don't want to be disruptive in that moment. Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. It is actually normal because I was in like the production center for this bra company, which is a really legit multi bajillion dollar bra company. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I take off my bra and I'm standing in front of these two women who are essentially both staring at my tits, analyzing the shape of my tits, judging them, staring at them to judge them. them. Not like if you showed me your tit and I was like, your tits are amazing. And then one of them is like, oh yeah, like her left breast is like visibly larger than the right one. Everybody has uneven boobs. And I was like, what do you mean visibly larger? Like both of my boobs are the same cup size. It's not noticeable to like the untrained eye, but I'm standing there and she's like, "Mm, yeah, like her boobs are uneven size. And then the bra that they give me to like photograph me in to see how I look in it is see-through. 
So it's like lacy, but like you go and you're standing on like whatever the the screen is and you're being lit to hell. Obviously you can see right through that. And then they take a picture to like, when they say, I want to see the way that like your boobs look in this bra, they actually mean your physical boob, how it looks in the bra. And I left there and my agent was like, how'd it go? And like, I told her the truth. I was like, that was ridiculously invasive. You didn't warn me about that. And she was like, well, they didn't tell me it was going to happen. And it's like, look, I occasionally model commercially and a models full time very successfully, but it's like the shit that you're subjected to, if that were to happen in the real world, it would be like a lawsuit. An actual lawsuit, Mm -hmm. like a huge Me Too problem. But when you're in this world and you kind of sign that invisible contract with the devil, you you don't say anything about that. You're just like, I guess this is how it is. I mean, and the reason you're making the money that you're making is because you are agreeing to be a product. And it's like, while that is like your day rate, we were talking about this yesterday. It's like, no, that's actually the like 10 years of just not like not caring at all what people are saying. I worked in Miami all the time when I was um, living there and... You'd go to a casting and they would talk about you in Spanish because they assumed that like you didn't. I'm like, we're in Miami. Everybody, Everybody speaks, speaks Spanish. Spanish. So I remember like, I think I was 18. It was like one of my second castings ever. And I just hear the client in Spanish be like, yeah, but what about her stretch marks on her butt? And the other one's like, oh, I mean, they're not that bad. I'd probably be able to Photoshop them. And I was like, was in this moment where like, again, in real oh life, God. these fucking women were talking about my stretch marks in Spanish. I would right. turn around and in Spanish be like, right. fuck you. Go find yourself. <laughs> but there I just have to be like, pretend I like don't understand and just like keep wiggling my little butt like, yay. And then walk home and still have confidence and like not want to go home and cry i want to go back to the first time that you ever did a nude shoot did you know what you were getting into was it like discussed with your agent i actually think that this is a bit taboo because like look posing nude as a model is like lots of people aspire to it like playboy used to be the kind of thing where you were like obsessed with being a playboy centerfold was like the ultimate like honor people clamor to get into sports illustrated where like a lot of the girls are wearing painted bikinis in la i don't know if it still exists is treats mag still a thing Mm -hmm. so people like here are dying to get into treats i i find it fascinating that it's like it's this thing that everybody aspires to but there's still so much stigma around like oh my god like you pose naked like how brave how did that feel but I am really curious to kind of know like what that process was like for you in the beginning and how you got to the point of just being like, eh, like no big. It's gone like so many different ways. So like looking back, my very first like test shoot with that photographer that mm. found me at Ultra, like it is that like looking back, it's that like kind of gross things where they're slowly like, well, take this dress and like get wet in the ocean. And now all of a sudden you're in like, those like what's the updated term for a wife beater oh i don't know i still call it a wife yeah beater. I'm like the wrong i don't person know to ask. so then you're in these like you're in like a wife beater that's now see-through and it's like you didn't actually agree to be shooting naked but now you're shooting naked and I there's like this flow so i literally look back at those first pictures and it's like my nipple was in it i was crawling and i've just always been a very comfortable person because i do just go into things assuming the best intentions from other people which I still try to do all the time, but I've definitely been disproven a lot. Um, But so I just kind of went with it, assuming like, oh, if like my vagina slips out, of course, he'll delete it or like, of course, da, da, da. And oh, my God, no, they don't. (laughs) So while I have always been comfortable about it, there are definitely a ton of photos out there that I'm like, wow, I can't believe this motherfucker. Like to this day, this guy is still posting them. No. Yeah, they're awful. I mean, like, you know, I did my own makeup. I was 
seven, 18, I had never taken a picture. Right. You know what I mean? It was you like, no I was idea. playing. I was just like, LOL. I like saw America's Next Top Model one time. Right. Like a Tyra Banks challenge. So literally my first shoot was basically naked, but I've always been the person that's changing everywhere. So for me, that wasn't, it was more just like, oh fuck, like now these exist forever. Yeah. Um, I, when I feel comfortable, I'm like down to take off my clothes. I also just like think that photos look more beautiful when there is skin and stuff. I've also like, it sounds crazy, but like, I know I don't have like the most beautiful face, just like, again, from being in the, no, 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 I but like you say that, like, I've been in the industry thing a hundred times. Like, my course. right eye is a little bit slow. Like, literally, I've heard you people come to say realize it things about yourself that you would never think of in the real totally. world. And I don't but, even have yeah. it as an insecurity. It's more of like right. my product, I know my strong suits and I know my weaknesses. Fair. It's yeah. like the frame TV comes with this, whereas the other, it's like, I know <laughs> right. the thing, like, I know my yeah. features and I know like my other feet, you know? Yeah. So I've always been good at like shapes and body stuff like that, which really does work best when you're nude. So I'm like, if I'm here to make this shot really good, I'll kind of lean into it. Um, but a lot of it. And now when I'm shooting naked, it's fully just that I trust the people I'm working with. Yeah. So, which is just kind of, I trust that they would never put something out there with their name on it. That wasn't really classy and really great because they would never want to like, they wanted to be shooting with more girls. So their point is to make girls really look good. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest tip for shooting with like photographers naked is it has to be somebody that like you like their work so much that you know that they would never put something out there that wasn't the classiest most beautiful thing yeah like I don't care about if my vagina slips out if I'm shooting with a photographer that I know would never in a million years use that as their aesthetic yeah versus like I look back and I just kind of like accidentally had a nipple out and that was just like a creepy dude with a camera that like was happy to post a nipple you can really see the difference like you really it does not take a rocket scientist to look at a picture and be able to tell whether or not that girl was like completely consenting to everything that's going on. Exactly. And just like as far as how you would want to be presented. So like now I'm still totally down to shoot naked all the time, but it's like only if I look at their work and like I just every single photo on there has to be something that I would be comfortable of me coming out there. Even if there's like one photo that I feel like wasn't even lit well or wasn't, but if they're comfortable to post that, I'm like, no, no, no. Like we're not on the same page. Like you don't take yourself as like, an artist in the same way that I would want my body to be portrayed as art. Yeah. So I think that's like nude. Work. You have to just trust that they're going to turn you into art and not just have it be like a naked girl yeah. with sunlight on her. Like, I don't know. I go to some places and it's just like, that's not how a girl should be lit. Like yeah. that's not, that's just a guy who wanted to shoot a naked body. Well, you also learn so much about production when you work on sets. It's like you learn so much about photography. You learn about lighting when you work in like video based stuff. You learn about, and that's how I learned to be an editor. Like I knew not, Oh my God, I like failed college. I did not pay attention to any of my classes that had anything to do with production. But like I learned how to edit because I watched other people's stuff Mm -hmm. and I would listen to conversations on set about like how people would shoot and the kinds of shots you needed to get. It is amazing what an education you get existing on set. And now you have the ability to look at someone's photos and be like, "Mm, that's like does not have the model's best intentions. Exactly. And I think that's like the biggest takeaway for shooting. Yeah. I mean, even that being said, I've worked with like... Um, I shot for like a big nude magazine and they told me that they were going to be doing a light test. So I just kind of came out. I didn't have a top on. I had like a jacket on. I had like 
a thing on my head, but I was like in between shots basically. And I just trusted everybody on the set and was kind of like down. It was like a really big photographer. And then, so I'm just doing light tests and fucking around. I get the magazine back and that was the cover of the magazine of me like Uh, staring straight, like tits out, nipples, not hard. You know what I mean? Like if I knew what I was doing. And so it was just kind of like, and it wasn't that it was a bad photo, but it was just like, Wow, even at the highest, highest caliber, level, I again went into it with just like, I trust that if somebody says this is a test, and they probably don't even remember, and like, it wasn't like a bad intent. I don't think anyone was trying to trick me. I think it genuinely was a light test, and they just turned out what they And I was like, was oh, I like that. But in but my head, still. it was just this like, huh, like even at the highest level, like this would be what people want to shoot. And it was just like, wow, well, and I'm still getting like, tricked did you did you speak up when that happened did you tell your agent did you complain to the magazine how did you like feel in that moment um I didn't like complain to anybody or anything because again it wasn't like like I also agreed to it I was shooting a naked magazine and was also choosing to run around naked on the set when there was video and there was photography and that's where like huh like Maybe I should be more aware of it. But again, I just, once you start living life that way, it's like not fun. I guess I'd rather have one random video of me changing online than live my whole life in fear of a naked video of me changing, ending up online. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. That being said, actually, when my phone was hacked and my nudes were leaked. I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about that. The only thing that my lawyer at the time said that I had going for me was that I'd shot naked so many other times professionally that if you search Anna naked, there's actually professional photos come up. So his advice was that I do a few more nude shoots that I really want to come up. Like do newer nude shoots so that when you Google Anna naked, my personal selection of nude shots comes up versus oh so I kid you not yeah I'm on the phone with this like high-end Jewish lawyer this 65 year old I'm like the most shame I've ever had in my life you know I had to call my dad and be like my fucking vagina's on the internet and his lawyer is like well the good news is your tits are everywhere so that's great for ISO and I'm like oh my fucking god oh my god this this guy this is about is to real. tell me how, to shoot more vagina pictures. How, okay, cool. And I'm putting this into a script in the future that is like that scenario of being like freaking out. My nudes leaked. Like the whole internet has seen me naked. And you have like like a middle-aged lawyer being like, mm-hmm. my advice is like, to go top shoot end law more. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we can spend the time pulling all of this down. You know, I mean, I spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for this. He's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We can do cease and desist. Like every single image, we will get it off. But it's going to be out there anyone everyone already yeah. has it it's gonna end up back out there he's like truly my best advice is like do more oh, nude shoots that you really like my <laughs> people google God. it that comes up and then it's no big deal he's like you're obviously fine with your body so like just get some more body shots up there legendary i, I was like oh. did you end up following his advice I like didn't specifically. I mean, I've since shot nude. I don't, I haven't Googled myself nude in yeah. a long time. I just prefer to never <laughs> see that. If you guys choose to do that, don't tell us about it. Yeah, no, I really don't want to know. And for the record, most of those aren't even my vagina. Oh my God, that's right. The, the crazy close ups of the vagina. Those are yes. yours. Right? So all the ones of me, like, now that we're all going to Google, yeah. like, my <laughs> vagina, let me just it. break it down <laughs> break really down quick. Anna's leak. Um, the ones of like my tits and stuff are obviously me. The ones of me like eating popcorn topless, obviously me. The ones of me having sex with my boyfriend, obviously me. 
However, the up close ones, A, of the girl in the tanning bed, not fucking me. This That's is a real tan. You? No, I know. And she found oh a girl with a God. belly button ring to look yes, like my belly button ring. That's why I thought it was you. And long hair, everybody. Yeah, and she has small boobs and her nipples look like my nipples. Stop. I know. So that's not me in the tanning. So bed. now everyone's going to think that you're like a tan and you don't use tanning I know. Beds. That was like the biggest thing for me. I know. I that's was what just we like, like, no. People I'm like, think I don't even care real. about the vagina. That is a real fucking tan. <laughs> but We are sick. Once again, we are sick. Yeah, no, exactly. And then there's like one from the back of a girl like fingering herself like really intensely that's not my vagina those are not my labias to the point where my mom and my sister are like scrolling my nudes and they're like that's not even your vagina (laughs) and I'm like I know mom that's not even my vagina it's not fair so oh and it's like a terrible red manicure too with like talent yes those are not my nails your nails have never looked no i bite my nails i always have a bleeding cuticle those were some pristine cuticles those are not mine huge long nails which like anyone in the industry knows you can't have nails Mm -hmm. like that if you're a model i've had a nude manicure for the last 12 years (laughs) exactly not my hands are not anna's hands (laughs) um while we're on the topic though like how did you deal with that? Because, like, I know plenty of girls who have dealt with, like, revenge porn situations, but, like, not everybody has been on the fappening. And when you first told me about this, I remember the first thing I said to you, I was like, look, babe, like, the good news is you're on a softcore porn site next to, like, Jennifer Lawrence. I was like, everyone else is on the site is famous. That's true. You it is, are, like, elevated leaks. You are <laughs> the least famous person on the fappening. So true. And, and I always fact, like to say, like, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. So I would also like to be yes. the least famous on the nude site. Yes. That really does transfer. And you are. And I remember this is exactly what I Thank said you to you. Thank you for noticing like, that. No, I did. I, like, I looked at the, the roster. You are the least famous person on the fappening. Like, and I'm like, everyone Thank else you. Thank you on here is, like, a household name. So the fact that you having sex with your boyfriend is on the fappening like you should be so honored like thank you forget your blue check mark on instagram this is how you know you've made it actually it upped my rate at lulu's a little bit it, yeah, once they knew i was yes. on the fappening like i've never walked for versace but like i was on the fappening <laughs> so it's like i am now an actress slash model not yes. model slash actress <laughs> obviously you are somebody who innately is very confident but like I'm sure that still fucked you that up. That one really, that one just sucked because it was like, oh my God, I have to like tell my family. That was why it like really sucked. Again, I saw the pictures and I was like, this isn't fucking me. Yeah. But I mean, I to this day get guys DMing me being like, oh, mm, like your pink pussy. And I'm like, it's honestly not even that pink. That's not even <laughs> fucking mine. You're like, get it right. Get the color right. If you want to talk dirty to me. Okay. Exactly. Um, How old were you when it happened? I was like pretty young. I was maybe like 22. Oh my God. That's Mind you, so this girl brutal. is still every single day has a fake account. Oh yeah. You can go on at his Instagram guys and like see about this. My clients. It's a crazy whole situation. I was on, actually I was on an influencer trip when it happened. Yeah. So I was kind of out of like all the situations to go through that for like being with a bunch of influencers was really like the best case scenario yeah no they all like knew someone at instagram they knew someone at google like everyone had gone through this experience like it was kind of this perfect lucky the photographer that was there was this amazing guy that immediately like got on the computer we like canceled the shoot for that day everyone went into like action mode like it turned into like a pr house of like getting all this shit down um I had to call my dad and be like, dad, I don't know how to tell you this, but like my nudes are online. And he, his response goes literally, Hey hun, I'm at whole foods. Can I call you back? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Okay. So I had to wait for my dad to check out of whole is foods. Your dad, is your dad a lawyer? Back. 
he like yes he's trained as a lawyer yeah and has like a lot of lawyer friends and so i was just like honestly like this is so much shame but i need the best lawyer okay, so like, i fuck it. ask only because both of my parents are lawyers yeah. and that's the exact response that they would give mm-hmm. me in something like this i have called my parents in times of crisis and my mom is like babe i'm on the phone with a client on the other line i have to call you back and i'm like are you yeah are no, you exactly. fucking kidding so it's like oh uh, yes okay let call me when you are done at whole foods thank you very much okay <laughs> goodbye father and then he's like all right the so anyways I haven't Googled it, but what's happening? Yeah. And I was like, don't, don't Google it. Don't, don't. Um, yeah, it really sucked. But again, that day we kind of got it all down. I happened to be like doing a jet ski photo shoot that day. So it was literally like the most <laughs> fuck you scenario. moment. of the. And I was just like, honestly, if somebody wants to be in their mom's basement, hacking into my phone and like stealing my life, I'm just going to take this as like, I am so lucky that I have a life worth stealing right yeah. now. I'm going to go enjoy the fuck out of Such it. Such a good mentality. Clearly, there is somebody who wants this life so badly that they are just like spending every single second hacking internet. What? Like, it was so bizarre to me that I was like, while I am so upset. And it's kind of like, once that happens, it's already worst case scenario. So it's yeah. kind of like, eh. like, where do you go from here? Yeah. Like, I just had to tell my dad about like my vagina and that like, I yeah of course i know it's not smart to take videos of you and your boyfriend having right, sex i right. will know for next time he's like you know hon you really shouldn't be recording that and i'm like yeah yeah i'm aware thank you very much like i got yeah he's like just You're side not, note of advice you should the probably parking lot in his car with yeah, the whole foods bags whole foods. in the back being like listen honey um that's did no. you ever think about not recording yourself having sex and i was like yes of course i thought about that yes of absolutely that crossed my mind but it's happened now so that was kind of like the worst has happened i could either dwell on it or i could just go like ride my fucking jet ski in the bahamas and like pet a pig so i just decided to do that and so then good do you yeah. ever worry sometimes i think that if i were in that situation and like this is actually something that i've thought about even with just like embarrassing content that's online of me and like especially one with i've spoken openly about like barstool and like the one thing that really bothers me about the content that's up there from barstool it is not even that like I did it. It's like a part of my history, whatever. It's the idea that when I meet people and they Google me, that's like the first thing that comes up. And it's not even the actual Barstool website. It's like Reddit threads about me. Totally. Horrible Reddit threads about me. Like Twitter feeds about me of like all of these guys being like every horrible thing that you can imagine. And so in a lot of ways that obviously felt like incredibly invasive, the the way that like your nudes leaking feels invasive. But I do worry about that. I'm like, is this going to get in the way of people meeting me with like a truly like neutral mind? And like, maybe I'm dumb for worrying about that. Maybe it's a waste of time, but like, I do think about it. And so I wonder, do you ever think about that? Like it crosses my mind, but so I don't ever Google people before I meet them. Yeah. Like it's just not something I, I do. I like don't want to know about them. I really want to like people do not think that way. So, but I'm also just kind of like, those aren't my people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would never want to be with somebody that reads a, a Google about somebody and thinks they know everything about them because that's dumb. And I don't want to surround myself with like a dumb, shallow person like mm-hmm. that, frankly. And that's kind of how I've always been. Like people are like, well, are you comfortable posting about weed on your Instagram? What if a client doesn't want to book you? I'm like, I don't want to be working with clients that are that judgmental that yes. if I smoke weed, they don't want to work with me. I'm lucky that I feel like I'm in a place that I can choose who I want to work with. And I kind of feel the same way about who I'm going to socialize with, who I'm going to work with, who I'm going to date. Like, if they saw that my fucking phone was hacked when I was 22 years old and somebody invaded my space horrendously and put it on a website and then they're going to judge me about that, that is not somebody that I remotely want in my life. And I think it's kind of like 
if they can't see that as like, holy shit, something traumatic happened to you and you've managed to like get past it and laugh about it and be able to like make a whole career out of it. Those are the people that I want to like be around. Not somebody that's going to be like, Mm, what a loser like you were like i don't even know the barstool sports yeah, thing you're talking about yeah, because it's yeah. like I, I don't this is why we're friends yeah like, like i, I haven't I looked at that i'm just like oh my god i love you i don't like, know what here's a sanctuary it is that's yeah, why i don't I just, leave that's such good advice though anna like honestly i think that's that's applicable to so many things in life for so many people and you know obviously i'm thinking in the lens of like the shit that's out there on the internet about you. But like, even what you said about weed, like someone actually did submit a question saying like, how do you feel comfortable like promoting your weed usage so openly on Instagram? And I do think about this too, in terms of like, you know, I talk about sex and like, I have heard that some like larger brands don't want to work with me because they see me as somebody who's like edgy, like too edgy Mm -hmm. or like risky, or it's going to be polarizing. And it hurts me because I don't actually identify in my real life as like, a particularly edgy or risky person. I'm literally like you, like a nice Jewish girl who like by accident fell into this like weird world. And so it bothers me. But now I'm sitting here thinking about it after you said that. And I'm like, why would I want to work with somebody who doesn't want me for me? Well, of course it bothers you though, in a way, because it's like, you want people to like, it's like at the end of the day, you are like a nice girl. just like, I know that I'm not actually that crazy person. I mean, I've had brands that don't want to, I've had like a cleanse company not want to work with me because I like post about pizzas. You know what I mean? And of course it hurt at the time, but then I was like, no, Anna, that's their marketing decision. It's exactly. Like you post about pizzas. Of course, you're not going to post their fucking cleanse, whatever. Yeah. It's just like not. But I just, and as a brand, I get it. That's where it's like, I'm able to detach the personnel. Of course, it's still just kind of like, oh, I want everyone to book me for everything all the time. That's just like a natural human of thing. Course. But it's also ridiculous. Like, I always yeah. tell people that I'm like, you're never going to be booked for everything all the time. So like, get over it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just don't want to like. And I've always been, even in college, I had like a bunch of people that like judge me for smoking so much weed. And I was always like nice to them, but they weren't the people that I wanted to like have a sleepover with. Right. Like, I don't like judgment of right. any form. Like I don't, unless you're I think killing that's probably somebody. like my least favorite thing in the world besides like overt hatred is like judgment. And they go hand in hand too. Right. Exactly. And judgment a lot of the times is like insecurity. Yeah. It's, like, if you're confident in what you're doing, you don't need to judge other people. I'm it's just kind of so like, eh, cool. True. I don't want to hang out with you, but I don't care what you're doing. I don't have an opinion on it. I just don't want to partake. Bye. (laughs) I love that both of us are spewing this wisdom wearing sweatpants on a couch in your house that we don't leave. (laughs) Like the air smells like weed smoke, and we're like, we don't want to hang out with people who are judgmental. (laughs) How seriously you want to take this wisdom, guys? Is like people should judge me a little bit more, and I should get out of my crack. Then actually, maybe I should open myself up to a little bit more judgment. I'm like one of those people like that delete any negative Instagram comments. Like this is a positive place. Okay. You're like, maybe some of those comments are coming from a space of like concern. Honestly, I'm like shooting up heroin in my crack den. And I'm like, there is no judgment here. We can do whatever we want. People that are not down with shooting up heroin every day can just go fuck themselves. Judgment, bad vibes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who identify as neither, my name is Allie Weiss, and this has been Tales of Taboo. If you liked what you heard, or even especially if you didn't, please take two seconds, two seconds out of your day, go to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. 
It is the single most helpful thing you can do, and it prevents me from trying to convince you to buy tooth whitener as part of my sponsorships to be able to support myself and grow this show further. If you have your own stories that you'd like to share with me anonymously or not, if something in this episode resonated with you, if something in this episode made you want to absolutely send anthrax to my house, please don't send anthrax to my house. But you can contact me on DM at Ali Weiss World or send me an email at Ali at AliWeissWorld.com. For those of you who have been listening for a while, usually the email address is AliWeissWorld at gmail.com, but I am trying to keep that one just for podcast castings. If you want to contact me directly and ensure that I'll see it, Ali at AliWeissWorld.com is the way to do it. I love you all so much. I am so grateful for this community and this listenership. I'm excited about the impending holidays and all the fuckery that we are going to get into. And until next week, when I can see and hear you again, be good. <laughs>